2: Back to Binge List, Who Magazine's weekly podcast about the best of Aussie TV. I'm your host Matt Denby, and joining me in our studios, just off the Home and Away soundstage, is Who Magazine TV guru Gavin Scott. Home and Away. Hello. And uh, phoning in from Melbourne is Claire Rigdon. Hi guys.
1: Hi, I'm funny from my glamorous kitchen this it, week. It's nothing so like jealous. Summer
2: Bay at all. <laughs> Well, this week we've got some great shows, including The Returns of Wentworth, The Affair and First Dates, plus one soggy romance I wish was lost at sea. Season six of Aussie prison drama Wentworth has started on Showcase, just as season one wraps up on the ABC. But as great as Jackson B were in that first season, we're only going to be talking about the very latest goings-on in Australia's favourite women's prison. Last season, we were left hanging with Frankie Doyle on the run and Joan the Freak Ferguson buried alive. And poor, poor old Vera Bennett. How are they all going to get out of this one, Claire?
1: Oh, look, I know. That's the big question. Well, the biggest of all the questions is, uh, is the freak dead?
2: Yeah.
1: If anyone's going to dig themselves out of a, a, a coffin six feet under, it's Joan Joan Ferguson. Let's face it. Um, but I have to say though, the sixth series does feel really different to the others, partly because of the omission of the two characters that are at the heart of this. Obviously Joan, who uh, met a fairly nasty end at the last, end of last season, and B Smith, who hasn't been in it for you know at least a season now. She she got snuffed out two years ago. And and like I have to say, I can handle B not being around, but it'll be interesting to see what it's like with without both of those women. Yeah, what did you think, Matt? Because you're an Uber fan, right?
2: I was thrilled by it. I thought it was a fantastic episode. And one of the best things at all is that this is a fantastic entry point for anyone who is not uh, a viewer of Wentworth but wants to be or anyone who perhaps has dipped out along the way. Because, with, as you mentioned, with this new uh, season, we, we enter into it with a whole bunch of new characters which are, give us a fantastic vantage point to to ent- yeah. enter Wentworth, the world of Wentworth, what's going on. Things get explained like that. And, you know, among the newbies is the retirement. Turn of a classic prisoner character, Rita Connors. She was, uh, yeah, she was a, a famous top dog and bikey chick from the dying days of the original Prisoner. Um, we also ramp up the tension with a, a riot in the first episode, and that continues on. Poor, poor Vera, still dealing with the dramas of, you know, her oh, charges escaping Vera. prison. Yeah, Vera's oh the God. most tortured character in the history of this franchise. She, you know, and she, also the
1: best, right? Oh, it's definitely. Just the best. She's fantastic.
2: (laughs) She's fantastic. Um, you know, there was obvious collusion within the prison between people who were working there and, and the and the escapees, so she's really, really under the spotlight na- right now, poor old Vera. This I think this is Wentworth at its best, you know, with Frankie on the run, there were some great moments of tension in the first episode, uh, her being chased around, uh, trying to surreptitiously visit her illicit lover, who the police are starting to get suspicious about, and then there was the, the cops banging in the door and she's terrified, cowering in the kitchen. We've got um, a whole bunch of high tension violence happening we've got this new brutal nazi character spike who i've never seen before she's
1: awesome i really like her yeah
2: she sort of seems like she's the replacement for um juicy lucy who last season yeah now that now that juice can't can't actually speak because she
1: had a tongue cut out
2: she had a tongue cutter out and for people who don't watch the show (laughs) she she she'd been involved in a series of um sexual assault. She was the perpetrator and uh, someone finally had enough and cut her tongue out. Um, that's <laughs> the kind of show we're talking about. Gavin, are you into it?
0: Well, as, as you know, or as listeners may know, I haven't watched Wentworth because the first season was spoilt for me a long, long, long time ago. So I came into this fresh, which which was quite interesting. Um, I don't often start watching shows at season six, but um, I was, as you said, Matt, it was a quite a good entry point. I was able to pick up very quickly what was going on. I didn't understand all the details, but I got the gist of all the main storylines pretty quickly. Um, Did you?
1: Yeah, interesting.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I think that's pretty good news for anyone out there who hasn't watched the previous five seasons and doesn't. Really really want to wait around until like, the ABC get through them all. Um, I found the pace really good. It zips along, plenty is happening. There was no chance for me to get bored and reach for my second screen. <laughs> you and your second screen. That's right. Okay. But, uh, it, yeah, it, it, it had me hooked, I have to say. But the thing I did wonder, are all the prison staff corrupt?
1: <laughs> well, you could wonder that if you'd never watched this show before. Um, look, there's a fair whack of them that are not on the take. Um, but – Really, the, the moral heart of this, and Matt, you'd probably agree, is Will, who yeah. is at the centre of everything that unfolds in this sixth series. Obviously, yeah. um, spoiler alert, he was the one piling dirt on top of the freak's uh, coffin yeah. at the end of last series. Gav, this won't mean anything to you because you wouldn't have seen it. No, but they showed he, it in
0: flashbacks.
1: Oh, they showed it in flashbacks. Right, yeah. So basically, he's kind of been in, put in this position where he's, he's committed this terrible thing. But actually, if you've watched from the very beginning, there's precedent for him doing all of this stuff. I mean, in the very first episode of the very first season, which people might have only recently seen because it's showing on ABC, is the fact that he lost his wife in really dramatic circumstances right in the very first episode. So he has pretty much lost everything that's important to him via Wentworth. He's got a lot of reasons to have done what he did but throughout it all he he kind of remains the 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 voice of reason along with Vera, which is what really grounds this show and makes me keep coming back to it, because it could just feel like an overblown soap, very worst kind. But it's characters like Vera and Will that just keep that are just so brilliantly executed. What do you reckon, Matt? Do you agree?
2: I think it's all fantastically written. These characters are amazing. There are no duds in this at all, and I'm only just even more excited to see the newbies coming in, like Rita. I mean, I'm so excited. Leah Purcell. She's great. She owns this.
0: Oh, my God, she does. She, she was a standout, I, I think, in this. I, I was a bit um, concerned about what to expect from the show because, I, I, you know, is it premium drama like Top of the Lake or Secret City, that kind of thing, or is it more like, um, you know, the original Prisoner, which was quite o- over the top in parts. I don't know if I'm, I'm being sacrilegious there. You are. But, um, <laughs> but I kind of found it, it's, it feels a, like a free-to-air drama like Offspring and All Saints, All Saints that kind of standard, yeah. really quality free-to-air drama, not quite at the premium level but um, huh. but not, not... – I
1: disagree with that. I think it is at the premium level. I think that this stands against Orange is the New Black, which is its obvious kind of rival. Mm. I think it really stands up against that. The only problem is maybe that it's, it's minus a couple of million dollars budget and what they've managed to achieve with a limited budget is amazing because really, you know, you're up against shows like that or Handmaids which have literally – got millions and millions poured into them, which is why they look so amazing. Would sure. you
2: agree, Matt? I think so. And and one th- another thing that separates this from network TV is the level of ultraviolence in this. I mean, we referenced yeah. the tongue removal. I've never seen anything like that on network TV. Oh, that
1: that was so full on, wasn't yeah. it? Oh, my God.
0: That, that That's a good point. It, it does feel quite accessible. I mean, despite the swearing and the tongue removal, it does feel quite accessible <laughs> and, and well-paced. It, it doesn't... When I say premium drama, I mean those things that, you know, are ponderous and, and, you know, arty and all that kind of stuff. And and
2: Wentworth just gets to the point and gets on with it. It certainly does. It doesn't beat around the bush. I mean, what about that shocker last moment in the uh, first episode with the pregnancy reveal? My God.
1: This is the thing, right? That just opens everything right up. I talked to Kate Atkinson, who plays Vera, when I went out to set a couple of months ago. And... um. It's going to be fascinating to see how this storyline plays out because it's going to change everything for Vera. But um, Kate, obviously, is she's such a pro. She didn't reveal anything to me about what's to come, but she did say that it's not going to be all neatly tied up in a little bow. She's really going to wrestle with that decision about whether or not to keep the baby because obviously, you know, Jake's the father, And do you really want someone who is as outright sociopathic as Jake is to be the father of your child? Like, oh, my goodness. He's such a – oh, he's fantastic too, isn't he, Bernard Curry? He's so
2: great. Fantastic. There are so many questions already spinning around in my mind. What's this true relationship between Rita and Ruby, for one? I just can't wait to find out.
1: Yeah, well, a lot more about that is revealed in Episode 2, which is fascinating. I also really like the fact that they've managed to kind of reel – Ali back in to that particular storyline, which you'll see next week when episode two plays out she becomes obviously becomes quite intertwined with those characters, which is good because to be honest, Kate Jenkinson, who plays Ali, she might it might have been the end of the road for her story, really, now that you know that the retribution has been theoretically had with Joan you know and B passing away yeah i I think that was a real stroke of genius because she's one of the the stronger characters in the show I mean they're all great, but but um, Ali in particular, like, I just feel so invested in her getting a happy ending, along with Frankie, obviously, who's still on the run.
2: Yep, yep. Now, listeners, if you're not watching Wentworth or if you have dipped out, please get back you're into crazy. it. You're crazy. This is an amazing show. Watch it. Even I'm hooked. Binge List, brought to you by Who Magazine. Now onto something completely different, and Seven's popular reality show First Dates is back on TV with season three. If you haven't seen it yet, this one aims to match strangers over dinner dates at a Sydney restaurant, with the action switching between multiple couples as the night progresses. There are a lot of different age groups represented here, and quite a lot of diversity, which is always great to see on a show like this. Gavin, you've never watched it before. What do you think?
0: No, I've only ever watched it through Gogglebox, so I've got my nice (laughs) five-minute package of This is First Dates, and I thought, oh yeah, that, that looks okay. And as dating shows go, I like the concept, and I like that they seem to try to match people quite well, more so than on shows that build themselves as social experiments, where the mm. main goal seems to be friction and drama. The aim here does seem to be to make genuine connections between people, and what better way to do that than over a free meal? I also like that they're not all hotties besides the Instagram model and her barely there top. It was nice to see some real people like that, you know, dorky country guy and the horse-obsessed woman.
2: Yeah, They
0: were pretty funny. <laughs> Matt, what did you think of the first episode back?
2: Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And, and that couple, I don't know whether I'm I'm feeling so neutrally as you are. I mean, his his interest in her scar on her leg and, and in, her, in her ankles, it really unsettled me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't know if I saw the bit. To be honest, and, and this is where my um, obsession with things being short and to the point come in, I did skip ahead. I got the gist of all the dates and then I fast-forwarded to the end bit because let's face it, the best bit is the bit at the end where they're sitting there and they have to decide whether they want to go on a second date or not and there's lots of awkwardness yeah. and neither one wants to be the first one to say yes in case the other one's going to say no and all that kind of stuff. That is the best bit of the show. Yeah. Um, So once I, yeah, got my head around... I disagree
1: with you, Gav. The best bit of the show is the guy from the UE car insurance ads serving drinks at the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) He is the real standout in the show for me. I love him.
0: Well, him aside, and yes, he he is quite good at, um, you know, doing that banter small talk at the start. Um,
1: Poker face. He's got great poker face. He
0: does. I I do like the bit at the end, and it can't get to the end quickly enough for me. So I kind of think maybe it could be a half-hour show. It does tend to... That's what I reckon. ...go on and on a bit.
2: Yeah, I've always enjoyed this show and I've said before that, you know, if we were living in an alternative reality and I was single, I would go on it. It's one of oh the my God, very, would you really? Uh, yeah, oh it's gosh. one of the very few reality shows I'd ever consider going on because I think that it's got its heart in the right place. It's not set up to humiliate and embarrass people. It's not set up to make people look like fools. It's It's got a gentle sort of nice vibe to it. It doesn't have that malice in tone and editing that quite often sort of ruins some of these dating shows. I think it's just fun. It's nice. And I think that um, the only thing that I don't love about it, and it's not the show's fault, it's the fault of the people who are participating, is how many people lie at the end and say they're interested in a date and then they never yeah. hear from them again. What is that yeah, about? Yeah,
1: no, totally. And then they do the little bit at the end and it was like, you know, she never called him <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, I know. But, and, then, and then you just think, oh, were you just a fame whore? Were you just on this for your five seconds of fame? I people just, most
2: of the time. Yeah, people just don't yes. want to be perceived as the nasty one and they're going to lie yeah, on TV. Totally. I I'm not a game player. I hate game players. So if you don't want to go out with them but you do like them, just say, look, I had a great time. We can be friends but we've got no future as a couple. But could you
1: imagine actually saying that? Like I, I don't think I ever really did that back in the day when I was on the market, so to speak. Oh, I, I feel I did. like I was one of those people that just never answered the phone, oh. you know, <laughs> and it was just like I don't understand it. We were going out and everything was going so well and then, and then she just disappeared. I guess I was like that was my favourite method of – just just totally ghost on the relationship.
0: But that's, I guess, what, what is happening on first dates. It's people not wanting to have that conflict and just wanting to go, oh, yeah, we'll have another date. And then, yeah, they don't answer the phone.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: But and also in, you know, this day and age of Tinder, there's someone new just to swipe away. So maybe they do think, oh, yeah, I'll go for a second date. And then, you know, a week passes and they go, mm, actually, there's this guy and this guy and this guy. <laughs> You're
2: listening to Bindlis.
1: Brought to you by Who Magazine.
2: It's time for TV news. Former ABC favourite the Dr Blake Mysteries has been in the headlines quite a bit recently. First after being canned by the ABC, despite being a big rating success for them, both locally and internationally. And then there was the good news that it was moving to seven. Then the scandal surrounding Craig McLaughlin's alleged off-screen behaviour cast a cloud over the future of the franchise and his role in it. Claire, you've been to the set and have some word on the future of Dr. Blake.
1: Yeah, look, I'm not going to dwell too much about what has happened in the past. I think you'd have to be living under a rock not to be aware of the controversy surrounding this. But um, it was really fascinating. Two days ago, I went out to the set of the Dr. Blake Mysteries, which has been rebooted and now has Nadine Garner, in as as the central role in in this, basically the premise is that Lucian's gone missing. They don't know what's happened to him. He's presumed dead, and she's sort of out to to try and find out what has happened to her husband. And um, yeah, so I went out to the Port Melbourne sort of set. It's fascinating actually because it, it's like walking back in ta- time to the late fifties. That the house where they do all the interiors is uh, it's basically. supposed to look like the Ivanhoe home that's featured in the series where they film they do location stuff out there and it's amazing it was like walking straight into my Nana's kitchen but I had a really really interesting chat with Nadine about the the way that the show is going why they decided to resurrect it amidst all the controversy and she had some fascinating things to say about how it all played out should we have a little listen
3: from that desperation came an idea of, well, how can we save this? How can mm. we get people back to work? What can we pitch to seven to make them excited about rethinking it as a, yeah, pro- as right. a product?
1: Yeah, right. And how a- involved in that process were you? Well, pretty involved. Yeah, in
3: that, great. In that, um, I was, I was at the time when it was all really hitting the fan around February. I was doing a little theatre piece and talking to journalists and. Everyone was asking me that, Blake. Mm. And I, I came away from that time and I said to George, I said, you know, the funny thing is, even though everyone acknowledges what's happened to Craig, they still expect the show to go on. Mm. It's like the show transcends what's going on in the real world. And I said, that's a really interesting thing. Yeah. That the show has sort of taken hold in a way that people just want it to keep going and they don't really know how that happens, but they just want us to keep seeing the show. hmm so you know, a confidence kind of built around that the heavy fandom of the show and that a sort of very strong fan base that the show had, I think, which it encouraged us to be bold and um, pitch something.
1: So as you can see, it's there's a really um, it's a really interesting vibe when I went out on set. There's a lot to unpack um, on the coming back of this show. It, it obviously it's really hard to judge as to whether or not they'll be successful in in rebooting it and having. Um, Nadine's character at the centre but it's going to be fascinating I actually personally think there's a huge amount of people that loved this show when it was on the ABC uh and I I really hope that they follow it over and I actually you know what I'm just going to call it I think it's actually a really interesting brave decision by seven and I think it might actually pay off so I hope that it's great and I hope there are a lot more of these to come with her at the centre
0: I think people will be tuning in just to see how they handle it, even if they haven't yeah. watched Doctor Blake before. I think it's going to get a lot of intrigue on that level. But this is, isn't the first time, by any stretch, that a show has continued without one of the main stars. But my, my favourite is always uh, Valerie Harper. This American actress was in a show called Valerie. So you'd think, they, oh yeah,
1: Valerie. Yeah. You'd think
0: they couldn't write her out. They wrote her out. She had a dispute of some sort with the producers, and so the next <laughs> season it was called Valerie's Family. And oh, then Oh hilarious. And then later seasons were called the Hogan Families, like they pretended she didn't even exist, but lots of shows have written people out. Eight uh Two and a Half Men, obviously continued after yeah. Charlie Sheen.
1: With Ashton, he sucked, didn't he?
0: <laughs> Laverne and Shirley even continued without Laverne for <gasps> Were what one of the season, or was it Shirley? Very briefly, it was the dying, dying days of Laverne and Shirley. And Cindy Williams wasn't around for it, whichever one she played, I can't remember. The, the X-Files. <laughs> oh, my God. The X-Files continued without David Duchovny for a while. Spin City. Did, what? Michael J. Oh, Fox really? was replaced by Charlie Sheen in Spin City. And yeah. um, Charmed. Remember when Shannon Doherty got ridden out of Charmed? Sure do. That's right. So it oh, does happen a lot. And there was also Eight Simple Rules, which tragically continued after oh, yeah. um, John Ritter passed away. And, and that did continue as well. So there are all sorts of circumstances in which shows do move on after a major character has been ridden out. So it will be interesting to see yeah, how the Dr. Blake
2: Mysteries does it. <laughs> Binge List. Brought to you by Who Magazine. It's that time of the week again, to binge or not to binge. Gavin, tell us all about Season 4 of The Affair. Well, yeah, it's hard to believe that the affair is up to
0: season four. The original premise of this series was telling both sides of an affair, funnily enough, between Noah, played by Dominic West, and Alison, played by Ruth Wilson, who were both married. And each episode was split into his perspective and her perspective. Mm. And it was interesting to see how their perspectives differed. That was kind of the whole appeal or gimmick, if you want to call it, of the show. Uh, so Noah was married to Helen, who was played by E.R.'s Maura Tierney, and Allison was married to Cole, played by Joshua Jackson. And, hey, Joshua! Uh, and I really liked season one until it became yeah, obvious they were going to spin it out into a second season. And then it started to, you could see the machinations of, oh, yeah, we want to go for a second season, so let's stretch this out a bit, a bit beyond this original premise. And I feel like it could have been a one-season show, and then they could have started afresh with a second se- season with a completely different story
1: yeah with a different couple having an affair that would have been really good
0: and still but still using that you know he says she says kind of construct uh, it just felt like they were forcing more life into the original characters and story than was maybe there so um so i stopped watching season two i didn't even bother with season three so it was interesting to go back to season four and see how the show's developed and see what it's doing now and it it has previously expanded the number of perspectives to four. So, uh, Helen, oh, that's a- good. Helen and Cole, you got a, They got to look in. So you got to see things from their perspective in previous seasons. And then in season three, Noah had a new love interest. And so there were five different perspectives running around. um, in the first episode of season four, we only got two perspectives, Noah and Helen. And they're still, um, you know, they're splitsville. They're not together anymore, but they've got lots of kids. And so the focus in that first episode of season four is on their continuing drama over their kids. And the best bits were when there were scenes told from his perspective and her perspective. You know, the original premise of the show still works really well. There's just enough, not enough of it. I feel like the four main characters from that original season have been spun off into these separate lives now. They don't have mm. that much crossover. And it's kind of like watching four different shows. And then when when they intersect, it's great because you do get to see, you know, how it looks from his side or her side. But often they're off just doing their own thing. So I feel like perhaps at the end of season four, maybe we wrap up these characters and if the affair wants to move forward, maybe they start, you know, American Horror Story style with a whole lot of new people.
1: Yeah, it's almost too late. I almost feel like they should have done that at the end of series one. As you said, like, as soon as you said that, I'm like, yeah, that would have been a genius way to do it. A little bit like... that show uh, the girlfriend experience. But, yeah, I don't feel like they can do that now after four seasons. I think they're better better to just finish it all. Like I always thought Me- Moira and, um, and Josh Jackson, like I was just as interested in them as in, 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 with the other two and I sort of feel like maybe the writers were like, oh, yeah, this is a great ensemble cast and therefore we need to give everyone equal billing and spin it out for longer possibly that was a mistake i don't
0: know i I feel like their their sides of the story are interesting um i I think as well watching this first episode of season four it's a show that does work really well to be binge watched because i feel like over the course of this season perhaps these four characters are going to come back together there was a flash forward to something that happens in six weeks time and it was a scene with noah dominic west and cole joshua jackson and it's the only time we saw joshua jackson in the episode at all for this you know two minute scene so I do feel like they're gonna pull everything together and bring these characters back together for some kind of mystery I don't know so perhaps wait until season four has aired and then binge the whole thing and then maybe that will be a better experience than kind of waiting yeah and waiting. interesting yeah so yeah that would be my verdict binge but binge at the end
2: Who Magazine's binge list. Right, listeners, I've been tasked with previewing season four of Poldark, which is on the ABC and also available on iview. Now, I really think this should be called Bodices, Beaches and Bonnets. It opens with Aidan Turner pacing up a freezing Cornish beach, shirtless like a frigid Fabio.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: And that's appropriate because this whole show has the feel of a torrid historical bodice ripper. We really are treated to lots of soft-focus heaving bosoms, languid stares and slow-motion liaisons in fields of windswept pussy willows.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Waiting for someone to use the word pussy willow in a review.
2: Yeah. Thank God there was a poorly choreographed corn riot to break the tension. And four seasons of this, I'm sure they're running out of Cornish beaches and windswept clifftops to film on. And the bonnet budget surely has been busted by now. If you love this show, you'll love this season return. What the producers aim to do, they do really well. But for everyone else, maybe give it a miss. Claire?
1: Oh, look, I can't pretend to be a darker, which is what whole dark fans call themselves. <laughs> but I do dip in and out of this show. I must admit, last last season I reviewed this and I was pulling my hair out because I was like, you know, pol Good old Poldark's up to all sorts of stuff. And there's gorgeous Demelza at home just keeping the home fires burning while her husband goes off in Flanders and has all sorts of adventures. It really annoyed me. So I was very excited about this new season because we see the fallout of Demelza's rendezvous with the poet. Anyone who's a Poldark fan will know exactly what I'm talking about. It's just like I just felt so pleased that she would finally got hers, you know. It's like right on, like Ross has been getting all the fun for the last couple of seasons. He was totally due a taste of his own medicine. So yeah, if you're a pulled up fan, you are gonna be frothing at this first episode because not only do they address all of that stuff, we also see Ross coming out of the water in, 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 in with no clothes on, which yeah. is just, you know, that's let's face it, that's what we're all there for. They don't diddle around all season, you know, promising us with, with, with shirtless scenes to come. No, it's there in the first three and a half minutes and it is glorious, Darkers. It's <laughs> glorious.
0: He was like, a I don't know, historical Daniel Craig or something in these awful long johns, but it was definitely that, you know, James Bond moment where he comes out of the water. My mum my loves this show. I don't know if I'd say wow. that she froths about it. Uh-huh. Um, but she does love it. Um, she
1: probably does. She probably just doesn't admit it.
0: Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but um, it does feel like the sort of show that could just run and run and run, and with a fan base like that, I'm sure it will. Yep.
1: Oh my god! And, and we're so there for it. Let's face it. Any any woman who's ever dipped into a Harlequin Mills and Boone is all about this series of pole dark. Like, and I'm just I'm sorry. I'm so excited about Demelza's story arc for this season. Go you, good thing is what I say.
2: Now, not every show gets the attention it deserves. And, Claire, you've been watching Claws Season 2 on Stan.
1: I have indeed. My sister actually got me onto this show and she was like, have you seen Claws? And I'm like, what? And she's like, oh, it's that a whole heap of women that work in a nail salon. And I thought initially that she was just talking about a reality type thing, a bit like those tattoo shows. Not nah, this is a comedy drama. And it is the best show that you are not watching. It's on Stan. And it's like it's passed everyone by. But if you love shows like Desperate Housewives and Weeds back in the day, you'll really love this. Uh, It's set in America's deep south and it's based around the goings-on at a nail salon in Manatee County, which I think is in Florida. I don't know. Is that the deep south? Anyway.
2: With a name Uh, like Manatee, I'm sure it is in Florida.
1: yeah, the shop's called Nail Artisans of Manatee County and um, it's, it's, it centres around a woman called Desna who's played by Nisi Nash who people might, you know, if you're a lifestyle TV fan you might remember her from various shows that she's hosted. She owns a nail salon and she becomes embroiled in a money laundering um, scam along with her friends and co-workers, and it's all kind of because of her deadbeat boyfriend, Roller. Uh, look, there's an unintentional murder in episode one which kind of kicks off all the action as Desna tries to dig herself and the rest of them out of a really messy situation. Um, and, look, this is not like anything you have ever seen before. It's high camp. It's very... Um, overblown melodramatic in all the best possible ways and that's why I love it and look the cast is actually really ethnically diverse it's very female centric and it features some really great performances uh Karuchi Tran she's fantastic she plays Virginia this young nail artist uh you've got lost Harold Perino, who who stars as Desna's brother who's autistic and he gives a terrific performance and look it can all seem a little bit stupid and ridiculous and melodramatic and a little bit Days of Our Lives. But then you find out that the writers behind it, there's a a woman called Leela Gerstein who is actually, she won an Emmy last year for The Handmaid's Tale, which just tells you how skilled she is. And she is definitely using that skill in Claws. If you're a fan of well-made, well-produced comedies that have a little bit of a quirky edge, discover this show. It's so great. Series 2 is just dropping weekly now. Get into it.
0: I was interested to see that it's got um, a couple of my favourite actresses, Um, uh, on it, Carrie Preston, who is Elspeth Tassioni from The Good Wife, and oh, she's so great, and uh, Judy Reyes, who you might remember was Carla all those seasons in Scrubs. What are those two like?
1: Yeah, that is just so funny because until you just told me just before, I had no idea that she played she played Silent Anne on this show, who's very very comedic. She doesn't say a whole lot, but it's all in the delivery. Uh, she's She's so great and Carrie is so fantastic as well. They're all very, very funny. I mean, but I just can't stop watching Nisi Nash. She's so great as Desna. And, you know, if none of this is enough to entice you to check this show out, you've got to watch it for the nail art. Like, the, the nails the women have on this show are out of this world. They're amazing. This is one for people who love a little bit of cheesy Escapist Television.
2: Right, check it out, fans. Um, thanks, everyone, for joining us. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to Binge List on iTunes or Omni. And if you'd like to talk to us, we're all on Twitter. Look out for Gavin Scott 99 I am Claire and Mr Matt Denby. Until next time, everyone, happy viewing.
1: See ya. Bye. Hold up.